We're joined now by Shehan Jayaraja from CBSSports.com. We're going to talk some football with Shehan, but heck, Shehan, we got uh, we got basketball. We got to talk about. Uh, you got the Baylor men and the Baylor women uh, in the uh, NCAA tournament. The men will be in Fort Worth. Are you going to get to go see the game? <laughs> I'm trying to figure that out right now. Actually, the timing's pretty good. Thursday is my day off, but we have some stuff in the evening. But the game's at one one p.m. So I'm hoping that I'll be able to be there at least for that first game. Uh, that and it, again with with Baylor being a one seed, uh, drawing Fort Worth that that really works really nicely for fans getting an opportunity to go to go to the basketball games. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, it's it's obviously a great opportunity for Baylor to be able to start at home. Uh, th- there was a lot of hope that they'd get that South region and be able to really play in Texas all the way through the tournament until the final four. But but still to get those first two rounds, I think, will be a big deal. And, and I will say, I mean, I think that it's going to be a good opportunity for them in that second round when they will draw North Carolina or Marquette, who are a pretty tough matchup, I think, in that second round. So uh, I think it's a great opportunity for them to be in Texas. And I expect a, a very Baylor-heavy crowd up in Fort Worth. Was the biggest snub in the NCAA tournament Texas A&M? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say anything else, right? I mean, obviously, they, they make it all the way to the finals of the uh, of the SEC tournament. They, they have a chance to beat Tennessee. And, you know, it, it's usually when you are a major conference team, if you're playing in the conference championship game, that's pretty much a sure thing. Especially, I mean, the SEC was a good league this year. Uh, you know, Tennessee is a great team this year. And they beat so many good teams along the way just to get there. And to see, yeah, I mean, no disrespect, but to see some of these teams that got in from the Big Ten over Texas A&M, it's kind of a joke. You know what I mean? For Michigan to get in over them. You know, Indiana, I think, had a tenuous case over them. And then even to see some of the, the mid-major teams that got in. And then I think it's even more disrespectful that they put out the first four out and they are the fourth team out. That was crazy to me. You know, I mean, I, I know that's one thing that the committee really values is a tough out-of-conference schedule. And I think that Texas A&M has struggled the past couple of years and probably just wanted to put together some wins. But, uh, you know, at the same time, it's it's like if you go and you win those games, you beat those ranked opponents, you have a good net rating, all that sort of stuff, you should be in the tournament. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's, uh, you know, to say sort of in hindsight, oh, well, you know, if you had scheduled tougher in, in non-conference, stuff like that, it, it's just tough, right, in the, in the field of 68. Another thing I will say, too, is that, you know, being the being the 69th best team in America, I, I don't feel that bad for you, right? I mean, it's a huge field, uh, you know, and, and so, you know, I mean, there's always going to be a cutoff, but Texas A&M, I think, certainly should have been in over some of those Big Ten teams that were put in instead. Shayon, do you think any like when you look at that Texas matchup with Virginia Tech, do they have any chance? Like legitimately, do they have a chance in your eyes? Yeah, yeah, I, I think they do. I mean, it's definitely a tough matchup, and they're and they're catching Virginia Tech at a very bad time after they've just gone and and won, of course, the ACC tournament. I mean, that's just such a tough matchup for them. But Texas is still a good team. I know that Texas isn't playing their best basketball right now, but they defend at a really high level. And the thing that I'll say too, right, is that I think that sometimes playing in the Big Twelve we run into the issue of teams just become so familiar with each other. And, you know, so you see Texas kind of get figured out a little bit. Obviously other teams play that kind of no middle defense that Texas plays. And, and I think Texas Tech and Baylor do it at a, at a higher level than Texas does. Uh, but, you know, when you go into the tournament, sometimes it can be a little bit of a wild card. And so, 
You know, I think that it's going to be a 50-50 type matchup. I, Virginia Tech, again, is, is a tough matchup, I think, for what Texas wants to do. But you know the talent on this team. We've seen flashes of it across the season. So they do have a chance, uh, you know, but it's definitely going to be an interesting matchup for them. What are your thoughts on, on Scott Drew's team? They're going to have to go through this like they have for most of the season with a, with a short rotation of seven seven players. I mean, can you get it done? Can you get through this gauntlet that is the NCAA tournament with a seven-man rotation? I think you can. Uh, it's it's just, man, if, if you had told me heading into the tournament that they're fully healthy, if you told me that they have LJ Cryer and, and Everyday John and all of that, I mean, not even counting Langston Love, who was never healthy this year. I mean, this, this team is incredibly good right I mean this team is really really good I think they have a very real chance to win the title in that case and playing with seven I mean when you get deep into the tournament it's it's less about the number of players because I think they'll be okay from that perspective but it's more just not having very many bigs because Flo Thamba is kind of your only true big they've, they've had a lot of success uh, running that Sohan lineup with him playing the five and I think that that's going to be a killer lineup in the tournament as well but you know, it's just we've seen these days where, you know, where Adam Flagler just doesn't have it, for example, or or maybe, you know, they're just not shooting well from three. And I think that with LJ Cryer out of the lineup especially, and, and we don't really know at this point if he's going to be uh, back in any meaningful way, you know, they, they've just struggled to be the kind of three-point shooting team that they've been for the last two, well, three years, I guess, at this point. And, and I think that that's the bigger issue to me than having a short rotation is just – how many guys do you have out on the court right now that can either defend the rim or shoot the three with consistency right now? So they need to get hot, I think, is kind of the short of it. They they need to, to obviously play well. I'm not super worried about it being a seven-player te- seven rotation. I think that a lot of times when you head into the tournament, that's what it turns into anyway. But they really need to be shooting the ball at a high level, and I think they need to get the most out of everybody because, you know, they are in a pretty tough region. Shayhan, who's the first number one out of this tournament? <laughs> first number one out of this tournament. Um, that's a good question. I would – I mean, Arizona's got a tough road in the south, I think. I, I mean, they, they. I don't think they're as battle-tested as some of the other one seeds. Um, you know, there, there's not an obvious, obvious team that that's going to knock them out necessarily, but I think that they have a tough pass. And I think Gonzaga, for for the number one overall seed, they have a really, really tough pass. You know, they've got Texas Tech in their region. It's just, I don't know if they're the first one out, um, but, but, you know, I think that they will have a really tough time. So I, I think that there's a really decent chance that all four of these one seeds could lose before making the final four. Uh, just with the strength of the region. And we've seen so much parity across college basketball at this point. Um, you know, but, uh, and I mean, that doesn't count Kansas, who I think is obviously also a flawed team. So really, I think the answer is that any of them could lose almost at any time, which I think makes it a really exciting tournament. Let's talk some football, Shayhan. One thing that caught my attention yesterday, SMU running back, uh, Ulysses Bentley hit the transfer portal. My immediate thought is, are you heading over there with Dykes and going to TCU? They obviously got the, the room now with um, Zach Evans gone. What are your thoughts on, on Bentley? Where do you think he ends up? Yeah, I mean, I think that, that certainly he's going to look into that option. Uh, you know, TCU has some running back depth, so I'm, I don't know what they want. Um, you know, the other thing that I'll mention is that uh, TCU just added a new running back coach. Uh, he was a running back coach at Memphis. So, you know, maybe does, uh, does TCU look to Memphis in any way if they want to add running back depth? You know, it, it's hard to know. 
Ulysses Bentley's a really talented player. Uh, he's dealt with injuries a little bit, but uh, he's just such a quick back. And the other thing that I'll mention, too, is that he's going to be so much better when he's able to be more of a role player than he is having to be, be sort of a uh, an all-purpose back. Because, I mean, he what he really wants to be is, you know, he wants to be part of our rotation and, and kind of be the quick back and next to maybe a more powerful back. And they were planning to have that with him and T.J. McDaniel at SMU, but T.J. McDaniel dealt with some freak injury stuff. Uh, and so, you know, I think that he's going to have an opportunity to go somewhere else and play. He ran for nearly 1,000 yards in 2020. Um, and, uh, you know, I think T.C. will certainly be on his list, but I'd be curious to see, you know, what, what kind of other options he's looking at. I want to get your thoughts on, uh, on, on so many of these schools and a lot here in Texas – over the over the last few years, making the transition into D one, and I was I was thinking about Tarleton State. Uh, uh, I saw a deal the other day where you know they have to add on to their stadium to get it to twenty four thousand. So there's an expense. Uh, they're upgrading, obviously, their coaching staff. So there's an expense adding more coaches. So what is the benefits for these institutions to to make that transition into into particularly say FCS football? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, and honestly, I could go on for hours about it. So I'll try to keep it shorter, you know. But uh, I think that one of the things that I look at most when I look at a team transitioning up to Division One, and also uh, I'll say also transitioning up to FBS, is I think that it really plays into uh, to what you want your school to be from a stature perspective. Because financially, like you said, it's going to be a lot of expenses. Uh, you, you know, I think financially, it's not always a winner. You will make more money as a Division One team, no doubt about it. You have access to the NCAA tournament. You also, you know, and, and that uh, comes with its own payout. You will get all of your games televised, usually on something like ESPN Plus or, or something like that. So there is money involved, but it's not game-changing money. You do kind of have to put the work in uh, and the finances in to be able to do that. But I think Tarleton's a great example because I think Tarleton really wants to increase its profile you know from a from a national perspective and another one that i'll point to is sam houston moving up to fbs right i think that sam houston wants to be considered one of the major schools in texas in a lot of ways and and i think that you look at like texas state right when texas state moved up from division two to fbs to fbs i think that's a big driver of it is wanting to be this sort of flagship campus utsa sort of a, a similar sort of deal they want to be a major school that you think about uh, you know, for when you are talking about SCS and lower tier uh, FBS as well, it is almost more of a branding exercise at that point than it is uh, kind of a financial venture. We think so much about these major schools and the millions and billions of dollars and all that sort of stuff, but that's not really what you're looking at when you're moving up to SCS or low-level FBS. You're, you're talking about, you know, you, you are dealing in the millions, but not in the tens of millions or the hundreds of millions like your Texas or Baylor. So I, I think that more than anything else, it's about trying to increase the profile of the school. It's about trying to increase recruiting, and it's about trying to take advantage uh, of an opportunity to maybe uh, come out on the national stage. Because, you know, I mean, certainly people can, uh, you know, I, I didn't know what Colgate was until the NCAA tournament. I don't know what Hofstra is until the NCAA tournament. And, uh, and Tarleton now is going to have an opportunity as well, in addition to football, to have an opportunity to make the NCAA tournament. And that's, a, again, a huge branding opportunity for that school. What is the most intriguing team in the Big 12 to keep an eye on this spring? That's a good question. Uh, most intriguing team. I mean, certainly Baylor's intriguing, but they, they are more of a sure thing based off of what happened this past year. I'm really interested to see what's happening with Adrian Martinez at Kansas State. Uh, Skyler Thompson was so good for them, but, you know, I mean, the, I think Adrian Martinez, just from a pure talent perspective, gives them something that they haven't had in a long while. Now, 
inconsistency has been his big issue, but I think that this is a coaching staff that can maybe get the most out of him at quarterback. Uh, and, and I think that he could fit in really well into sort of their run-based uh, quarterback system that also has a lot of pro-style aspects to it. So I like what they have the opportunity to do there. And I think you have to look at Texas Tech, right? Joe McGuire heading over there, putting together a tremendous staff with Tim DeRuder as defensive coordinator coming over from Oregon. Zach Kittley put together a record-breaking offense with Bailey Zappi at Western Kentucky, and now he's coming home to Texas Tech to be offensive coordinator. I mean, this is a really interesting staff. He's, you know, Joe McGuire's that guy, right? I mean, he's exciting. He's fun. People want to play for him. Uh, right now, uh, you know, it's it's early, but they have a top five class in the nation right now in the recruiting rankings. So I, I think that there's a lot of reasons for excitement. And it'll be interesting to see from a pure coaching perspective, you know, how quickly does this come together? Because I think that I think that Matt Wells put together some really good bones for a foundation. But now it's kind of got to be the, the on-field coaching, right? That was kind of where Matt Wells fell short uh, during his tenure there. And I think that Joey McGuire coming in, He's a ball coach, of course. He, he's going to get people up and motivated. And, and I think that he hired some really good assistants to kind of help uh, pull the whole thing together. Shayhan, what were your initial thoughts when you saw the story drop about the Army football players and the ODs with fentanyl? And it, is this one of those things? My initial thoughts were, okay, if this is an HBCU school, this is blowing up. This is all we're talking about. But it seems like with it being a military institution, it's kind of been swept under the rug. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a weird situation. And I mean, I think that it didn't help that there was some very confusing information coming from, uh, you know, when it first happened. But I mean, this is just such an epidemic, right? I mean, it, it's just to, to see kids kind of go down. And I mean, look, I, I certainly 1 million percent do not advocate drug use. But I mean, there are consequences for your actions. And this is this is not them, right? To, to overdose, to be hospitalized. Uh, you know, I think that it's just become also such an epidemic across the country right now that it's just kind of another story, you know, and which, which is really sad. And, and, you know, I think as a country, it's not where we want to be, uh, you know, and, and so I hope that, you know, I hope that people did see this story. I hope that people are thinking about this story, even if it's not, like you said, sort of going viral, the, the talk of the town right now. Uh, and, and I hope that people also stay safe, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, you don't know right now if you're, if you're buying drugs off the street, what's in them. And so, you know, I, I agree. I, I, think that it's a little surprising that it hasn't been a little bit bigger of a story but uh but you know I, I think that hopefully it's a little bit of a cautionary tale anyway all right who you like tonight texas a&m corpus christi or texas southern <laughs> i gotta know uh, man i gotta know we gotta call <laughs> vegas and we're going on you <laughs> oh man oh man uh well i i should you should have caught, caught me last year when i was uh, over at dave campbell's texas basketball but give me texas southern i think that they put together a great program over there and i think that uh, they'd love an opportunity to go up against the one seed all right shayhan what are you working on uh, for cbssports.com yeah, we got some articles coming out about uh, kind of the start of spring, spring practice for some of those swing teams, right? So I put together a piece on Oregon last week. I've got one on Oklahoma coming up. We got one that came out on Clemson. Uh, you know, so just kind of a, a spring primer on some of the teams that have really changed over the last couple of weeks and months. So uh, check that out at CBSSports.com. Shehan, as always, it is a pleasure, man. We appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Talk to you soon. That is Shehan Jayaraja from CBS Sports.